We're starting a new series today that Chad just renamed for me because uh, we, we call it Soul Detox, but deal with your stuff sounds a whole lot better than that. Uh, the difficulty with that is I'm going to show you that you can't deal with your stuff without Jesus. Uh, you know, too many in the world are trying to deal with their stuff and they're still stuck in their stuff because they've left out Jesus. And so this series is one that uh, we, we do about every 18 months or so here at Hope because we recognize something about this world that we live in. How many know that uh, sometimes things can be very toxic in this world? Do you know that? And uh, there, there are people that are toxic, believe it or not, and, and you may be sitting by one right now, and you may be that toxic person. And there's things that we don't even think about that get on us, things that get in our spirits, things that if, we're, if we don't deal with, can literally change the trajectory of our lives in negative ways. And so we take time to just walk through some, some different topics, some different things that we recognize are very common, and we allow God to, to deal with our stuff. Now, I want to say this morning, I believe that God is doing something amazing in this place today. I, I, I've struggled to even come up to even preach. I just sense God's Spirit in such a strong way over you. And I, I encourage you this morning just to open yourself up just let God speak to you. This is not another message. It's not another day. It's not another thing to click off and let's go eat hot dogs and hamburgers. It is a day that God brought you to hear something that he's speaking to your life. So can you open up? Let God speak to you out of this message today. You know, this whole thought of detox in, in, in my mind and thinking is always God has this beautiful picture of life. He has this beautiful picture of your life when he created you, when he knit you together in your mother's womb, Psalm 139, he said all the days, they're, they're out there, they're to be, to be taken hold of. And it's, it's this great beauty that gets messed up because we live in this sinful and sin-cursed world. And yet when we allow God to, to examine our hearts and we come not out of shame, but out of humility and say, God, here, let me take this part that God, I, I, I've been allowing to control something, God, and, and give that to you because Lord, I surrender Everything. It brings back that beauty into our lives. And you think about it, it makes, it makes sense in the natural, doesn't it? You know, we, we live in a day, and it's not a bad thing, that, that we, we pay much more attention to what we put in our bodies sometimes than what we put in our souls. Again, not a bad thing. I mean, we got cage-free, range-free, whole, I mean, who knows what it is. I grew up just with cows, so, you know, it's just meat, Eggs, I mean, all just the stuff that we, we, we get all into this. And we, we, I, I laugh sometimes. Then each time we listen to how you raise your kids and how you fret over what you feed them. I have three adult grown kids that were raised on Pop-Tarts and yellow macaroni and cheese people. Come on. <laughs> Peanut butter never hurt anybody. But yet we get so focused on that and we ought to and it makes a big impact. Can I tell you, we are so negligent sometimes to focus on what we put in here. We're so negligent we put on what we allow through our eyes, our ears, our, our lives that really can, can do something, Lord, in our, in our lives that impact our souls because the same care we have to feed our bodies, which are perishable, you do know that, right? They are, they are, they're, they're perishable. We're not taking them with us. Need to be awakened to the damaging effects of what we allow into our spirit and our souls, which are eternal. They last forever. And sometimes we let things that are very small into our lives that are not good for us, and those little small things become big things, they become dominant things, and they become distractions or habits that take us out of that understanding that we are God's, and we are representing Him, and we're walking in the relationship 
that he has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. Our, our focus can become distorted. Our vision can get fuzzy because, again, we, we can't allow things to redefine us when God's already defined us. He has given us our identity in Christ. And we stand there. That is a strong place. We are identified in Christ. But if we're not careful, we will feed ourselves with things that will give us a new identity because just as food that sometimes is not good for you can shape you in wrong ways, so can the toxins of life we allow in. So in this series, we just want to invite you to, to join in this spiritual detox and let God speak to your soul and let him remove these toxic substances from our lives. Now let's, let's just set the table today. That's what I'm doing. We're going to do this over the next four weeks. The, the one thing I need you to understand is that some of, the, some of the toxins that are in this world, some of the things that are not good for our spirit, our soul, we don't, we don't necessarily choose to ingest them, okay? They're, they're just there. They're just part of living. It's not a choice. It is, it is an understanding that, how many know that we sometimes get caught in what I call the backwash of the sins of others, right? There, there are things around us that we didn't choose. We're not dishonoring God. And, and yet we, we walk into those just because of the world we live in. So I say that because I know what happens when we start identifying toxins. Satan will come in and start, he'll start speaking shame over your life. And can I tell you, this is a no shame zone today. There, there's no shame in this at all. There, there's an understanding that we are in the world, right? God just called us that we're not of it, and we need to walk as not of it. Now, other things we're going to deal with, uh, we willfully or ignorantly ingest, not thinking or not being aware of the impact they have on us. God wants to set us free. We've heard that again and again today. Because these toxins, can I tell you, there's a diligence God calls us to. There's a diligence in understanding how we deal with our stuff through the power of God's Spirit. Now, I know when I use the word detox, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> literally is, at my age, detox only meant one thing. Detox meant you were smoking the wrong thing or drinking too much and you need to go into detox. That was kind of the understanding of that word. We made it a whole new industry now. Just Google it when you get home and you'll see what I'm talking about. But you know, that, that understanding of addiction is not a, it's not a small thing, is it? It's very real. It's very destructive. It, it, it's overwhelming sometimes. But, but this is not just dealing with addiction. This is dealing with things that really just get in and pollute our soul and our spirit. Y'all are looking at me kind of serious. Can I tell you a joke? It's about the funniest thing about detox I can share. I'm not, I'm not a jokester. You probably have figured that out. I don't know a lot of jokes, but there is one joke I do know, and it has to do with this. So, and I've shared it before, but most of you are new anyway. So do me a favor and join me. Yes. So man was going down the road and he, uh, he was weaving over the line and sure enough, he got pulled over by the cops, right? And the policeman comes to him and says, sir, have you been drinking? He said, only water. He said, well, I smell wine. He said, well, praise God, Jesus did it again. He said, sir, we got a problem. He said, I think you are drunk. He says, no, 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 no. He said, well, sir, I, I'm going to have to take you and, and give you a breathalyzer. He said, oh, no, sir, you can't do that. That'll kill me. He says, why? Because I'm an asthmatic. He said, then we're going to have to go down to the station. We're going to do a blood test. He goes, no, 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 I don't take a blood test. He goes, why not? He goes, because I'm a hemophiliac. I'll bleed out. He says, well, then get out of the car, and at least today, would you walk this line? He said, no, sir, I can't do that either. He said, why? He goes, because I'm drunk. <laughs> it's about the funniest thing on this sermon you're going to hear today, but I hope it helps somebody just lighten up and let God speak to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, a, a message written to Christians. 
He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. He speaks of this closeness, this attachment, or this common fellowship with the world. We can't get away from the world. We're called to reach the world, but we need to guard our closeness, is what Paul was saying, because again, we are in it, but not of it. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? I love the message version there. It says, do you think Jesus would walk down the road holding hands with the devil? Is kind of the translation of that statement right there. And what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Guys, church buildings are not holy. Come on. We know that for sure around here. God, God doesn't live in a building. We don't come here to meet God. God's been with us all week long. But you and I are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And there is something we can do to determine how much of the presence of God we recognize in our lives on a day-to-day because God calls us to be holy. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? comes right out of the Exodus story we've been studying for the last month or so. I will be your God. You'll be my people. So therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. What he's saying is, is if I want a greater presence of God in my life, God wants that. He wants to be fully present in your family. He wants to be fully present in your relationships. He wants to be fully present in your home. And he says, there's something we can do to to bring that to us, but there's also things we can do to push that away. So we need to be careful not to be closely yoked with things that contaminate our lives. We need to analyze these things that shouldn't be there and and determine to, to get them out. He says, touch no unclean thing. I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. When we are saved, how many know we are set free from the power of sin? Amen? But how many know also we have to walk out of the habits of sin? Because there's things we bring with us into the relationship. There's things we bring with us that are, that are not good for us. And there are, th- there are patterns that need to be broken. I, I find that when I minister one-on-one with most people, I find there's patterns of thinking that, that need to be broken. And, and only God can do that, but we have to cooperate. Because if not, what happens is, is we become so accustomed to this way of thinking, so accustomed to this way of life, that we don't even realize that it's diminishing the presence of God in our lives. And we struggle. We wonder where God is. We play the head games that everybody plays, and yet God's called us to be different, to be set apart, that others may know Him through us. We can become so accustomed with the ways of the world that if we don't check these ways of thinking, we become no different than the world in our thoughts, our actions, and our beliefs. And then what happens is we have little or no evidence of the hope that's within us to even share. So if someone asks, according to 1 Peter, we have nothing to share because we're just trying to get by. We're just trying to make it. We're just trying to get through. Can I tell you, that's not God's life. He's called us to. So how do you know if you're there? How do you know if you're, if you're battling what I call some spiritual toxins in your life? How do, you, how do you know that there's things God's wanting to break you free from? I believe it's simply this. If we've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, if we've, if we've bowed our hearts, our minds, and we've, we've said, Lord, I surrender all to you, and we receive Jesus as our Savior, we also receive the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in us. What a powerful gift that is, amen? 
And, and the Holy Spirit has some very specific tasks. We're going to talk about a lot of them in August. We're going to be teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does when he dwells in us, according to John 16, is he will guide us into all truth. He will remind us of the words of Jesus. He will not allow us to settle in with the thinking of the world without reminding us that doesn't line up with the thoughts and the life of Christ. So if we, if we look at our, our lives and say, how do we know if we need to go through detox? I think David, the psalmist, probably said it best. In Psalm 13, verse 2, it'll be on your screen, says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? I know it's right, but I keep struggling with the opposite. How long? Every day, sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? See, Paul the Apostle knew all about that. He, he, he knew all about that, and so do you and I. We know what it feels like when we know the good we want to do and we don't find ourselves doing it. Or we know the wrong we want to stay from and we find ourselves sucked right into that. And Paul described that, that wrestling match he went through in, in Romans 7. And when, when everything he wanted to do, he seemed to do the opposite so much so that he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this? Right there, that's where Satan wants to drop in. And he says, Nobody can rescue you. That's just the way it is. That's how you're wired. That's how your grandfather was. That's how your mama was. That, he just starts speaking lies over, say, there's no way out. There's, there's no way to break free from this. But then Paul, he, he rallies in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, and he gives us the prescription of how we break out from it. He said, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. So we need to pay attention to what goes in and out of our lives. It's the old G-I-G-O, the GIGO, that when we were taught in our classes about computers, garbage in brings garbage out, and it's no different in our own lives. We have to pay attention to that. Why? Because those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and what? Help me out here. Isn't that what we want? Do your best to live at peace with all men, the Bible says. There's a peace that passes understanding, God says, that is for us. He says in verse 12, therefore, here's the prescription, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. There's something we need to do, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, detox, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That's God's promise. That's God's plan for us. And over these course of these few weeks, we're going to walk in this. What we're going to do is we're going to identify some areas that we all need to detox from. And then we're going to spend six days focusing on those, praying over those, fasting if God calls you to that, so we may see the power of those broken over our lives. And today, what I want to do is kind of give you that overall, what I call the initial cleansing. Has anyone been on a diet since COVID has hit? Does anybody need to be on a diet since COVID hit? Diets are nuts. They're crazy. Every one of them has this ridiculous cleansing ritual you've got to begin with, right? I mean, Denise put us on one, and she's not here today, so I can have fun. She's, she's, no, I have fun when she's here, too. She's in Arkansas with her family, but, but she, she put me on a diet a few weeks back, and she said, Mike, we got we to gotta start, because this first couple of weeks, you're going to drink nothing but crazy water. I said, girl, i got enough crazy in my life already. I'm a pastor, you know? No, you got to drink this crazy water because they say if you drink it so many ounces, you're going to lose three to five pounds. I said, what's in it? She said, oh, it's good stuff. It's got cucumbers. I don't like cucumbers. It has lemons. It has ginger. It has mints. She was so excited. 
And after one day of drinking the, cra the crazy water, she said, we're not drinking that anymore. She said, I, I don't like that stuff. But every diet has this crazy initial cleansing. There's one out of Japan. This one freaked me out. They, they suggest you go to Ikea and you order the ninja dog. Come on. The ninja dog. It's a hot dog that's been made with edible bamboo charcoal guaranteed to clean you out. Yeah. Sign me up, right? It, it makes no sense. Every one of them has these crazy ways. They're looking for this silver bullet that somehow is going to detox you. But the truth is, we just need to change some habits that negatively impact us while adding back into us healthy, life-sustaining choices that God has for us. And in doing so, we will find life and peace through Jesus Christ. So to begin with, we're going to talk about some very common things that, that honestly, we need to get rid of, Okay. So again, pull your toes in, no shame zone, we all deal with this stuff, but I want to share with you this week three things we need to get rid of and three things we need to replace them with, all right? Here we go. The first one is this. We need to get rid of doubt in our lives. God has made it very clear in his word that when we pray to him, we ask for, for him to do amazing things in us. He says, don't doubt. He said, because when you doubt, you're like the wave of the sea. You're just tossed here and there, and you never do find your bearing, your strength, because all you're doing is you're trying to, to just rationalize God. And what happens is this. We start saying things like, God's not active. God doesn't care. We begin doubting his word or saying that his word is not relevant. Somehow it's lost its power. And when we walk in doubt, what happens is we begin to believe what the world thinks about life, and we dismiss God's reality and replace it with the world's interpretation of reality. Can I tell you something? My God's still on the throne. He's still ruling and reigning. He's still coming back again through his son, Jesus Christ, and his truth has not changed and will not change for you or for me. There's no new version of the Bible coming out. Oh, we do translation so we can read it in our common language, but there's no new version coming out. His truth is for us. Here's what happens. When we begin to doubt, what we start doing is we start seeking identity outside of God. Well, if I can't count on God, i got to count on somebody else. i got to count on some system or some entity, and we lose our faith in God. But can I tell you, it's in God's Word that we find truth, and we find truth. The Bible says that's where we're set free. Now, I may get a little preachy this morning because I get, I'm a little tired of people telling me the Bible's ancient. It is ancient, but it's alive. It, it doesn't grow old. It's not, it's not a generational thing or an age thing. It's not old-fashioned. It's, it's not unenlightened thinking. It is unchanging truth of God's nature and love that offers freedom to all who will put their trust in Him. That will never, ever change, no matter what's happening in culture no matter what's happening around us. We used to say that the redefining of truth is subtle. It's not subtle anymore, guys. It's not subtle. Open your eyes. There, there's a lot out that you see where the world's trying to take God's truth and turn it around, and all it's going to do is lead us back to doubt. But can I tell you something? God doesn't want us to doubt. We need to feed on his word. Here's what, here's what I see so much. We, we spend so much time watching or listening to the news and the news feeds. We start fretting over life as if God is not active. We see morality being redefined and ignored. And all we start doing is we just start, instead of praying for culture, we just rant about it. Yep, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And it's all their fault. Who's the there? The people that God sent his son to die for the people that God's called you and I to love and to reach. But can I tell you, you don't reach what you rant against. 
You change what you ran against by prayer and walking in the truth of God's word. So we need to start looking at the world's circumstances, not in denial, but take them to God's word and see what he has to say about them. Because when we do that, we move from doubt to trust. And that's your first really action step this week. And that is, I will trust what God says. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, probably the first verse I memorized as a child. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That's a promise. It goes against the doubt. It brings that place of confidence. And it's a challenge for all of us. Let's just, let's just admit it. There are seasons where it's easy to slip into doubt. God, what are you doing? God, God, where are you? But you know what you need to be quick to do? But God, I know what your word says. I know that you're not a man that you should lie. God, I, I know this, Father. Lord, you're not changing your mind. You're not having a bad day. You don't need a second cup of coffee, God. You're on the job, Father, because you are watching over us and you are leading us by truth. So the first thing we have to deal with is our doubt. Here's the second thing we need to get rid of, and it may get personal. Negativity. How many, how many have a best friend who's negative? Yeah, it's kind of hard to be a best friend with a negative person, isn't it? Negativity. The Bible says that our words, <clears throat> pardon me, our words reflect what's in our heart. Our, our words literally reflect our relationship with God. It, it, we have to understand something that when we, when we are just be constantly walking in this negative approach to life, then, then what we do is we are, we're again, sowing doubt, but we're also driving people away from us because negativity always pushes others away. Now, I can expect ne negativity from those that don't know Jesus. Because their filter doesn't include God. And if you don't have God in the picture, it's easy to be negative in this world. But we have to understand that in the church, hello, that's not, that's not what God calls us to. But in the church, I find what I call spiritual Eeyores. You know who Eeyore is? I don't know why Eeyore is one of the favorite stuffed animals for one of my kids. They love Eeyore. I like Tigger a little better than Eeyore. But Eeyore... Eeyore is a believer that you can look at and say, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And they say, yeah, but. God has promised to take care of all your need. Well, yeah, but. God, God loves you with an everlasting love. Yeah, but I think he loves them more. Listen, gang, when we want to be negative... All we do is tear down the promises of God, dilute the image of God, and we remove ourselves from the presence of God, not experience his peace and his joy and his love. And what we do is we pollute our own spirits, but it also pollutes the spirits of everybody else around us. Remember when the children of Israel came up to the, to the river to cross in the promised land the first time? Moses sent 12 spies into the land. Remember the story? Now, I was sharing this with our, with our team the other day, our ministry team. I said, can I tell you, the 10 who gave the negative report weren't like awful people. They were leaders among leaders. They were the best of the best. All the 12 he sent to go spy out the land, they were the chosen ones, okay? But the Bible tells us when they came back, 10 of them gave a negative report. 10 of them saw through their fleshly eyes. 10 of them said, we can't go in because we will be squashed like a bug. I had a friend challenge me this the other day. He says, can you name any one of the 10 who gave the negative report? Uh-uh. But I can name Joshua and Caleb because they were of a different spirits. And they said, show me the land. We're going in. 
Show me the land. We're going in. Can I tell you guys, nobody remembers the negativity. Nobody hangs around that. Here's what we have to do when it comes to negative thoughts. We have to learn to think what God thinks. Well, how will you do that unless you know what God says? Unless you know what God's word says. We have to think the way God thinks. We fill our lives with God's truth, so our thinking aligns with that truth. That's why Isaiah could say boldly in Isaiah 26.3, You, God, will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Not feeling peace right now? Can I tell you? Maybe you've allowed the negativity of this world to get on you and it's time to detox. You need to learn to think what God thinks, but you also need to learn to say what God says. Because again, our words reflect what's going on in our hearts. Ephesians 4, 29, a recipe for all of us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Some of us need to go on a fast of talking or a fast of posting. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If you get this right, I guarantee you this, others will want to hang out with you. Others will want to be around you because you become the Barnabas. You become the encourager, no longer the Eeyore. Guys, listen, we've got to get negativity out we got to get doubt out. we got to allow these things to move out of our lives. So today, I'm going to encourage you six days. Six days, we're going to focus on this. The third thing we're going to focus on, not only do we need to get doubt and negativity, but we need to get rid of known sin. You kind of expect a pastor to say that, right? Known sin. Now, there's a sin we don't even know about that's our attitudes and all that. Again, detox is going to help us there. But I believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit has an amazing way of taking his finger and going right in the area of our lives where he knows we need to change the most. Because you know what we are good at? We are good at justifying. We are, we are so good at justifying sin, but any sin pollutes our spirit. But when we, again, when we see the word sin, we get all condemned. And I, I want to walk you through this again. We've been cleansed from sin, but it doesn't mean, we need to be, need, need, it doesn't mean we've overcome every sinful habit. So here God comes and he says, hey, I see you growing. I see you moving. I see you worshiping. But there's still this area in your life you need to deal with. Sin. Simply sin means missing the mark. It just means your life's aimed in the wrong direction. If I'm missing the mark, I'm experiencing life that is far below what the Lord has for me. Because, see, we use sin to get where we think we're supposed to go. I'm lonely, so when enter into a sinful relationship instead of entering into the presence of God and finding his peace and comfort. We use sin to get where we think we need to go, so we lie and cheat, and we, we do things that, that, that we think we have to do because we're not so sure God's going to come through to bless us financially we got to deal with the sin. We've missed the mark. And the reason we miss the mark is we're aiming in the wrong target, and we allow ourselves to get aimed in the wrong direction by the winds of the world, the way culture does things, instead of coming back to God's truth and His truth alone. I, I love the Olympics. I'm not sure I hope they happen this summer because of what's happening in Japan, but they probably will because there's a lot of money on the line. But I love Olympians. I love their stories. I love all the things they do and because they play all the crazy stuff we never got to play, right? And yet there's one Olympian that I really feel bad for because he's probably more famous for being a sermon illustration than what he actually did. His picture will be up on the screen. His name is, is Mark, Ammons and, uh, Mark Emmons, 
And back in 2004 in the Athens Olympics, he, he was going to do something we had not done. For whatever reason, in the U.S., we, we keep getting outshot by other countries, all right? And he was in the, the three-position, 50-meter rifle competition. That's what you sign your kid up for on Saturdays, don't you? Forget soccer. We're going to do, do the 50-meter, you know, shooting thing. That's, that's where I grew up. Yeah, that, that's why there was no soccer then. So what did he do? He's coming into the last targets, Gold medal's ready. I mean, it's practically around his neck. He comes and he takes his position. He slows his breathing. He aims his rifle and he squeezes the trigger and hits a bullseye. And all of a sudden he recognizes nobody's cheering. He aims the next target. He hits it. Bullseye. Nothing's happening. He follows through through the whole plan. It's the third target, dead center, bullseye. And he's wondering what's going on, only to find out that when he aligned the targets, he aligned a little bit wrong, and he was shooting somebody else's targets. And he went from first to tenth. No medal, no fame, other than being sermon illustrations. Sorry about that. It's so easy to miss, because it doesn't take much, does it? See, drift starts very small. Before you long, you find yourself doing the things of the world, thinking the way the world thinks, acting the way the world acts, and Jesus is something you come and pay attention to once a week. That's not what God's called us to. Sin has that effect on us. And the secret to overcoming sin is changing our aim. And our aim has to be God's law, God's principles. God's laws and God's principles are for our protection. Therefore, our health, our well-being, they're not to limit us. They don't, they don't go to inhibit our freedom or force obedience. They show us where our lives should be aimed because when our lives are aimed in the right direction, we don't hit the wrong target. We live fruitful lives, lives that bring about joy to our Father. And then we do miss the Holy Spirit of God has a wonderful way of pointing us to the gift of repentance, which actually allows us to turn around and adjust our focus and adjust our aim and begin to live in the way God wants us to live once again. You see, when we know the Word of God and we don't do what it says, it's direct disobedience to Him. We live toxic. We limit His presence in our lives. Doubt, it's actually sin. It's saying, I don't trust God. I don't believe He is who He said He is or He would do what He said He'd do. Negativity, sin. We're dismissing the power of our words that bring life or death into situations. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, he's pointing in the direction that your life should be aimed. So we got to make a choice to learn to go in the different direction. Because again, it doesn't matter what we feel. We, we teach this in the freedom group, guys. Choices lead, but feelings follow. But I, I, don't, I don't feel the peace of God yet. Well, make the choice to go after him. And guess what? You will. But you don't wait until everything is there. You do it in yourself. You, you, you trust him. You follow his word. And you allow God to do something in your life. Because what happens is this. When we dismiss sin, we're saying to God, no, thank you. And we, we do dismiss sin. We dismiss sin because we categorize sin, don't we? My sin's never as bad as anybody else's. I know it's not. I mean, I can always find an example of somebody that's worse than me. So again, I, I, I kind of categorize sins into little sins and big sins. But can I tell you, Jesus Christ died for all sin. He didn't categorize it. So let me give you an example or two to help you out. So if you live for Twitter wars and you're impacting negatively by social media all the time, you make an idol out of everybody else's thoughts about you and your pictures and your dog, maybe you made an idol out of something. That's wasting your time. 
and not allowing you to spend time focused on the King of kings and Lord of lords and on those he's called you to reach. If you're consumed with worry all the time and you call it concern, call it what it is, it's a sin. You're distrusting the promises and the power of God. So quit trying to sanctify sin and allow God to do something in your life that renews your mind by focusing on his truth. If you're living in sexual sin, this is where it always gets quiet because that's the bad stuff. Just call it what it is. Sex outside of marriage. Pornography, adultery, gay sex, it it, it doesn't matter. He says, call it what it is. It's a sin that is limiting God's presence and power in your lives. It's all about re-aiming life, removing the toxins by choosing to go in the other direction and allowing God to bring life into you. So make the change. Make the change. Shut the computer down. Remove some apps. Focus on real life-giving relationships. Ask the Lord to help you speak only what builds up. Move out and get married. There's a thought, right? And let God bless your relationships. Some of y'all are like, he's so old-fashioned. No, my Bible hasn't changed. I don't, I don't see it changing. But you can't change what you don't see. So ask God to show you the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does, and aim in the right direction. So here's the solution. We have to turn to what God wants in our lives. And to be honest with you, you do know where he wants you to go. You do know. I don't have to come out and say, hey, so what sin are we dealing with? What struggle do you have? You know, because the Holy Spirit's in you. He's been speaking loudly, but we've learned to deafen our ears to him. Here's, here's the admonition, Romans 6.13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves what? Help me out. No, you can talk better than that. Come on. Give yourselves completely. Christ didn't die for 90% of you. He's not coming back for 50% of you. He gave himself completely so that we can give ourselves completely. Him, I surrender all. It's not just an old song. It's a truth. So we pray, God, I need you. I I don't trust myself. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can reflect who you are today. So we take out doubt, negativity, known sin. But can I tell you, we don't just take things out. We've got to add back in what is good. So real quick, here are three things we've got to add back in. Otherwise, we've just kind of pushed a habit to the side. And you know what will happen if you don't add these three back in? That habit will come roaring back into your life. It'll come roaring back in some ways even stronger than before. So if I take these things out, what then do I need to put back in? Number one is simply this. We need to put into our lives God's word daily, daily into our lives. Listen, today is not enough for your spiritual intake of God's word. It's why I try to put so much scripture in my sermons because I know a lot of statistics telling me a lot of Christians don't read their Bibles hardly at all. Try six days. God, I'm going to feed on the Word of God early in the morning before I go to bed. God, I'm going to take a lunch hour and spend it in your Word, God. God, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to take time, oh God, and let it speak to me, whether I have to listen to it or, or read it. Why? Because it's the only way faith is formed in my life, because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Psalm 12, 2 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law when? Day and night. So our action step is this. We need to study God's word. If you need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We have them out in the foyer. Download you version. Read a psalm a day. There's so many ways you can go about reading God's word, but you just have to start. 
Now, I'll give you practical hints. Don't start in Leviticus, okay? It probably will discourage you. Start with John. You'll understand why Leviticus is important later on, but you need to get into God's word. Why? Because James 1.22 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. My Bible says I have to forgive everybody, but I'm not forgiving them. Well, guess what? You're limiting God's presence in your life. My Bible says that, uh, that I need to speak truth in love. I just like speaking truth. Forget the love part. Well, you're diminishing God's presence in your life. So the first thing we have to do is we have to bring God's word back into our lives. Here's the second thing, and I know this will challenge some of you. We need to fill our lives full of worship. And when I, when I speak of worship, I know that worship is not just what we do for 20 minutes up here. Worship is everything we do. But there is a power to what you bring in through your ears every day. There is a power of what we listen to. Here's why. The world's philosophy is mostly communicated through its music. It always has been, always will. And it has the power to impact or infect our thinking. So I'm going to ask you to do something. For six days, turn off talk radio. Come on, somebody. For six days, stop the crying in your beer songs that I grew up on. And, and, and stop the songs that you would never repeat their words around your mama. Getting a little close now, aren't I? But it's got a good beat. I can really get going on my workout. Yeah, but if you listen to what it says, you should be ashamed. And they should be ashamed of ever making it. And instead, feed on the Word of God through music. Let, let worship music become something in your life. Listen, if you don't know how to get that, talk to anybody on this crowd that will help you. And the reason we do that is this, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. For whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So I need to learn to listen to that which gives life. Try it for six days. Six days. I know they play the same songs way too many times on the Christian radio station, but it's okay. Six days. Can I tell you, it'll change you. Because here's why, because God wants to be closer to you and more aware, and you more aware of his presence than you even recognize. God wants to break through. But when we pollute our lives with so much, he can't fit in there. Because God is a holy God. He will never take second fiddle to anybody. He's got to be number one or he's not anything at all. And finally, and you'd expect this, we need to fill our lives with prayer. It's gonna be a big emphasis at hope this year. God bring us back to the altar. God, bring us back to surrender. God, bring us back to confession that, Lord, without you, we have no hope. We talk about prayer more often than we do it. And thoughts aren't enough. We're to go to God in prayer. There's a verse in the Old Testament. It's been misused in many ways, but still it speaks the truth of God's heart for us. It's found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I want to read it to you out of the message version. It'll be on the screen. It says, if my people, my God-defined people respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives, detox, I'll be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to health. Guys, we've got to make time to talk to our Father. Some of you, that comes naturally. I'm just going to be very confessional. Some of you, that, that, that comes very naturally. 
Talking to God, you can talk to a fence post, but you'll talk to God all day long. It's natural. Some of you, it's hard because you feel the shame. That's not of God. Whenever you feel the shame, listen. If you've repented of your sin, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're feeling the shame. Be bold and stop and say, I will not be taken down by this lie. I'm coming into the presence of my Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, here's the word of my testimony. I've been saved. I'm not perfect, but I've been saved. My Father invites me into the throne room of grace. In fact, so much he says to come boldly. There's others that prayer is a task. Check the box. I confess that that's been a struggle over time in my life sometimes. Well, I know I need to pray. I better pray. But there's something about delighting in the Lord and coming into his presence where words cannot even express what's happening in your life and what God is doing in you. And you know what the Bible says about that? That's when the Holy Spirit takes over. He says he'll commune with groans that aren't even interpreted because God just wants you. He doesn't want your eloquence. He doesn't want your King James English. He doesn't want your really good thinking. He just wants his child to talk to him and listen because that's what prayer does. Philippians 2 verse 14 says this, and we're going to close. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Here's the goal. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Simple simple science lesson. Light overcomes darkness, but shadows don't overcome darkness. And if we're living pushed away from God, all we are is a shadow of him. We're not lights. And he's saying it's time to get rid of those things that cloud our witness, cloud our light. He finishes and says, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. That's Paul being a pastor. (laughs) He said, I love you too much to let you stay in the shadows. I love you too much to stay toxic. I love you too much not to challenge sin because I know God has so much more for all of us and he wants it. He wants his presence to be so real in your life. He wants it to be so real in your life that I always think about what we say at the end of our services. It's my butchering of scripture over 1 Peter about being ready to give an answer to the hope that's within you with generousness and respect. But it's the premise of that scripture says this, be ready to give an answer to all those who ask. Why would they ever ask if our lives don't shine any different than theirs do? Why would they ever ask if we're no different? If we're just as toxic as they are, why would they ask? So in prayer today, as we bow our heads, I just ask you to do this. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. I know it's easy in messages like this to kind of let our our shell wrap around tight and say, oh, pastor, get them. You're talking about everybody else. They need to change. We're guilty of praying for the one next to us when God's dealing with us. And I'm asking everyone today just to be open and honest and real before God and say, Holy Spirit, 
here I am. I, I, don't want, I don't want things to cause shadows to be what's known to me instead of light. Help me today to release the doubts in my life. Help me today to be like the man that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus honored that truth and honesty. And God, I pray you help us overcome doubts today, God. Help us learn to trust your word, God. Help us learn to trust your way. God, I pray today the negativity is not found in us. We don't call it a spiritual gift and laugh about it. God, we call it what it is. It's sin. It's downplaying the power of words. It's allowing wrong thinking to develop in us and become a thing that literally pulls us back instead of propels us forward. And God, worst of all, it drives away those very ones that, God, you've made us to reach with the love of Jesus Christ. So God, today, let us not be like the 10 spies whose names are not remembered. But let us have the new name written in glory, God, as your child, Lord, as your blood bought, as your son or daughter. That, Lord, out of our mouths comes that which builds up, that encourages God, that makes others better. And God, I pray today, Father, Lord, as you deal with sin, it's so easy for us as humans to fall into shame. And God, I pray today against that condemnation that comes from the enemy. God, I pray against that, that, that attempt of his to grind us into our sin and, so, and, and somehow to make us believe there's no way out. But God, you give us grace. God, grace is powerful. Grace is mighty, God. Because Lord, grace comes in and Lord, by the Holy Spirit, it convicts us. But Lord, it points to the way out through your son, Jesus. Lord, lead us in repentance. Lead us in confession. Lead us that place, oh God, where we're just honest and real with you, God. And Lord, I ask today, fill us up. <laughs> Lord, fill us up, God, with your Holy Spirit. God, fill us up with your word. God, let us feast on it this week. God, fill us up, oh God, with words. God, in song and music and form, oh God, that, that build us up, God. And Lord, let us be filled. God, as we spend time in your presence, God, seeking you, talking to our Father, and listening for your voice spoken over us.